Welcome to Talk.Dance, the podcast all about partner dancing. All sorts of partner dancing, from salsa to tango, from ballroom to swing. This is episode three of our 2021 season. My name is David Leip, and I'll be joined by my co-host, Kelly Palmiter, as we chat with Jennifer Agel about the country western dance scene. Hey Kelly, I hope you're doing well. It's another podcast day and today I'm really excited. We have Jennifer Agel and she is from the United Country Western Dance Council and she's going to tell us a little bit about the whole country western dance scene and she's got an event that she runs on the East Coast, the Mid-Atlantic Dance Classic. And so we're going to hear a little bit about that as well. Jennifer, welcome to Talk.Dance. We're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Awesome. So Jennifer, tell me, how did, first of all, how did you get into dance and into country dancing? Uh, you know, that's the funniest answer, <laughs> but you're not going to believe this. So in the 90s, when country was, you know, hot, all the country bars are hot, you know, the movies and everything like that. I was in undergrad at Ohio State, Kelly. <laughs> and, um, the boys who lived across the hall were hog farmers, no joke. And they wanted to go to the country bar and meet girls. You know, I didn't qualify because I was, you know, like almost like a roommate because I lived across the hall. So, yeah. so we went to the country bar and we learned how to do the shottish and the, you know, nightclub cha-cha, all that stuff and learn how to two-step. And that was back when, you know, girls wore those really tight jeans and you couldn't breathe and people wore matching shirts and stuff like that. And I kept dancing because I thought it was fun. The boys across the hall, they were engineers. They gave up. Um, <laughs> we went to a bar across town one time and I met a boy who could East Coast swing. And I just thought, you know, he was wonderful. And he danced UCWDC. So he had an amateur partner. They wore matching shirts and... Um, he wore Wranglers because that's where they, you know, that's what they wore back then. And uh, they danced the circuit. So eventually I became his dance partner. And that's how I was introduced into uh, country partner dancing. Nice. Now you are, you've, you've gone from Ohio, you're in Atlanta these days. Mm -hmm. How big is the country dance scene like just socially? Is that, is that, is that a hot thing in Atlanta? I'm not very familiar with that, the whole country western dance genre. So Mm -hmm. I hear about it. I've met people who love it. It's on my list to kind of go and explore more. But uh, just how big is that? Is that community in your part of the the country and nationally? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's kind of changed. Um, the scene has kind of changed since the '90s. So people danced in bars, and then eventually they migrated out into dance studios, just like you know ballroom. Uh, most people dance in a dance studio if they're competitive dancers. So in the Atlanta area where I live, we had one country bar and they closed because they, you know, tore down the shopping center <laughs> and they built a bunch of condos and they never reopened. So I just assumed that they didn't have the revenue to continue, you know, that type of genre. Um, but, you know, places like Texas, you know, they still have a huge dance scene and the dances are not exactly the same as we do in UCWDC. You know, a two-step is different depending on what part of the country you're from, whereas our organization has, you know, we have a syllabus and 
a preferred technique, you know, for the dances. Um, so I would say for Atlanta, you know, we dance at studios. We have um, one gentleman who has a, a dance once a month at the Legion. They have a huge floor there um, and a bar. And <laughs> um, so then we have that country dance, you know, and then there are, you know, ones here and there, some studios host them, you know, on a Saturday night. So that's where the majority of our dancing is done now in this area. Whereas, you know, still Texas and other places have the whole bar scene. And what is it about country Western dancing that really appealed to you? Well, I didn't like the music at first because my father. <laughs> Yeah, no, like all the time when I was a kid and I was like, oh, this stuff is awful. But then I feel like it's kind of like mishmash, like take Taylor Swift, for example. You know, she started with country and now she's pop and she goes back and forth. So country is more poppy, you know, these days and, and just more, you know, easy to listen to. If you think Blake Shelton, you know, stuff like that. It's not nearly as offensive as I've got a tear in my beer, you know, like that kind of stuff. And uh, if you go to a ballroom club, a lot of times the waltzes are country waltzes, you know? Like they have very good, you know, song selection, Viennese. We have a ton of Viennese country songs. Um, so I just think that, um, you know, people gravitate to it just because it's more social. So I do ballroom and country. Uh, for country events, it's almost like you go to these different events to see your friends because people live in Florida and Georgia and Texas, California. Um, and so we just go to the same dance events, you know, and we see each other. So there's a big social aspect to it, a lot of social dancing. And I'll tell people like, when I go to a ballroom comp, I go to the session I'm dancing in or my friends are dancing in, I'm in the ballroom, I watch and I leave. When you go to a country event, you buy a weekend pass and you don't leave. People think it's funny because you go to this, you know, airport hotel and they're like, oh, you went to Phoenix and what did you see? nothing i saw the inside of a ballroom my room and the back of my eyelids and that's it nope. so it has a huge social aspect to it and if you're a dance enthusiast any kind of dance i think if you're going to a dance weekend a dance getaway <laughs> i mean there's nothing else you want to see anyway right i mean mm -hmm. you just want to be dancing constantly I, I think you know when you were talking about not liking the music i grew up a son of german immigrants and I'll, I'll tell you, even a little bit to this day, I, I feel like if I hear one more polka in my life, that's that's <laughs> one too many, right? But every once in a while, I'll be in a dance and they'll put on a polka, and I, I, don't, I don't really know how to polka, even mm -hmm. though like I'm up to here with the polka music. <laughs> I'm no interest in learning polka. Maybe someday I'll get over it, but yeah, uh, it's so funny. I do have another question, and this is mm -hmm. maybe more from the guy perspective. And then I'll shut up and let Kelly talk. No, um, man, you're good. You're covering all the bases. Why would so I, know? I I was looking on your website, Jennifer, and I saw you had, you had a lot of photos of country dancing. And the guys, for the most part, I, I was expecting to see much more like complete country get up, but, you know, with the the, the the shirts and the big belt buckles and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, I noticed that most of them were pretty much dressed in what you know could be ballroom except for the one key ingredient right and that's <laughs> the, you know the hat and so is it permissible to first of all 
dance country western without the hat as a guy? Is it, is, is it mandatory? <laughs> or uh, I would almost say mandatory, right? If you oh. look back at pictures from the 90s, that's when you saw people with the fringe. Um, the rules said that your costume had to have a visible yoke, which is, you know, considered country. You know, back to the matching shirts and all of that other stuff. And then as the years have gone by, we've progressed into what they call uh, ballroom with boots. So we do some ballroom dances. We do some that are specific to country. But if you see the gentlemen, generally they're wearing ballroom trousers and a black shirt or white shirt and a vest, sometimes a jacket. Um, ladies went from, you know, like homemade or whatever stuff you bought in the store, skirts kind of stuff to like the ballroom, since you didn't have to have a visible yoke anymore, then the ballroom costumes were allowable. So, and we all talk about wanting to wear sparkles. So that's where you get your best sparkles is from the ballroom community, right? <laughs> and I have, to, I have to show my complete ignorance. What is a yoke? A yoke is like the V. Like if you look at a Western shirt, you see oh, the V. Okay, on the okay. back. I that's did not yoke. know what that was called. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something. So for the rules for country for gentlemen, um, is that the gentleman has to wear boots. So we have uh, dance boots. So they're just like, um, you know, ballroom shoes. Like think about like practice shoes. Um, they have the suede on the bottom and everything. They're just boots, you know? <laughs> and the ladies have to wear boots as well. And then the gentlemen have to wear a hat. So the only time you do not have to wear a hat or dance boots is if you're a newcomer in pro-am, you can wear just regular dance shoes, no hat during the season. But once you get to the world championships, you are required to wear a hat. It, it is, I was joking about it being mandatory, but it is actually <laughs> mandatory. It is mandatory, yeah. Oh, cool. So that's that part of our uniform, so to speak. So that's how they feel like, I feel like that's how they'd say it's defined as country. Because if you took off the hat and you wore, you know, Latin shoes or heels or whatever, it could be anything, right? So since we've lost the fringe and the yokes and everything, that's the only thing that is really defining it as country, other than the music set, right? And we're doing two steps, so. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Cool. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna jump in, Dave, before you ask eight more questions, <laughs> right? So uh, I come from a social background. I started a Lindy Hop and then I got into salsa and West Coast. And so when you would go to those events, there was competition, sure, but it was more focused on, on social dancing and stuff like that. So you'd be mm -hmm. dancing more than you'd be sitting. And then I transitioned into ballroom, which is all competition. Like there's no mm -hmm. social dancing ever in ballroom comps usually, right? Um, and then by the time it opens up, like, oh, we're going to have a party on the last night. Everyone's so tired from dancing so mm -hmm. many heats that they're like, we're, I'm going to the bar, right? How I've never been to a, a UCWDC event. How does that change from the ballroom, right? Like, because with the West Coast and the Lindy and stuff, you'll see competitions and there'll be a decent amount, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of social dancing. It, it, mm -hmm. How does UCWDC uh, play into that or how does it differ? So social dancing is built into the weekend schedule. So when you go to an event or you look at their website, you'll see sections of the schedule that actually say open social dancing. And the thing that is also special about this organization is uh, we dance one dance at a time, except for the upper levels, masters and crown and um, whatnot. But so we start at the top, triple two. Everybody does triple two. And then we move on to the next dance, David's favorite, polka. Everybody does polka. So as the judges are judging all this stuff, sometimes the dancers need a break. If you're gonna do like 20 polkas in a row, you might die. 
So they say, okay, we're going to have a two song break. So the judges can go, you know, get up for a minute. If somebody has to change a costume or something and they play music and people are sitting on the sidelines, they're watching their friends, but they jump up and grab somebody and they dance as well, right in the middle of the competition. So that's, that's our, our dance break kind of thing. Also, it's very cold in those ballrooms too. So that helps keep you warm. (laughs) Oh my God. I, I did not actually realize that polka was part of the repertoire in the countries. You know, maybe maybe it would be more tolerable to me if I was doing it with a hat. I think that maybe well different music too. So I'll send music. you songs. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I don't want any of that German um pa yeah, polka, German. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's actual country music that is oh, it's a polka. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David, I want to I want to go with you to an event, and I want to I want to watch you do a polka heat in a cowboy hat. Like, I'm very excited about this. I want to go. I need bouncing too much, and it's like keeps coming off my head. And, yeah, I love it. I'll, I'll I'll enter right next to you. It'd be great. Like people be like bless their hearts for getting on the floor. Our next phone conversation is going to be a virtual lesson in polka. I'm going to teach you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. So tell me a little bit about, about the event you run. Oh, so I run Mid-Atlantic Dance Classic. So it's every spring in Virginia near the um, Dulles Airport. And we definitely love to have it in person because that's what we do, right? Uh, but this year we're actually virtual because Virginia is still very closed. Um, we did nothing last year on the country circuit. We had, well, actually we had world. So our world championships always run in January. And then we kind of reset our dance year and we had one event and it was the tulip challenge and it was in Amsterdam. That was the beginning of March, 2020. And after that, everything shut down. So I think as an organization, we didn't know what was going to happen. So we just kind of waited to see, you know, like we took registrations for mid Atlantic cause we're like, it, you know, is this like the flu or something? Like, is this going to go away after first quarter? And, you know, we ended up, we refunded everybody and, just going out through the whole year, we even thought, are we going to have our world championship? Because you can't, we work off of qualifiers. Uh, so, so like some of your other ballroom, you know, circuits, you know, you have to dance so many to go to Ohio Star Ball and do best of the best or whatever. So we have requirements to dance at the world championships. You have to do in the United States, you have to do three events. Um, so we we got to the point where nothing else had happened and our world championships moves across, you know, different coast time zones every year. Uh, and it was going to be in San Antonio and they were somewhat open, but generally no one had danced all year. So we ended up canceling our, our world championship. So this year we've started out with Tulip Challenge has to be canceled because it's in Amsterdam. They're still locked down. They got a curfew. Um, and then um, Peach Day, which is in Atlanta, uh, because of the social nature of our events, and it was March, you know, still pretty early in the whole scheme of, um, you know, getting a vaccination or do you feel safe going out, stuff like that. Uh, they decided to cancel because that event is huge on workshops too, because you have all these great dancers in one place on the weekend, you know, why not take a lesson kind of thing, you know? Um, so they canceled. And then when we got to, my event, I was like, well, it's either don't have it at all or try and do something virtually. So um, I was encouraged by some of my friends who also dance ballroom. They did snowball. Mm. Um, You're familiar with that one. 
and they had a great experience. Um, and I watched it online and the company that does their broadcasting did an excellent job. It's still very interactive you know, with an MC and everything. Um, so um, the other thing is that people said, I would love feedback because you know when you're at an actual competition, you have your judges and they're doing your heat and then they're on to the next one. They don't have time to write notes or you know, tell you what you need to improve and stuff like that. Um, so that was another opportunity for us in this virtual realm to be able to give feedback to our competitors to help kick them off for the rest of the year and um, you know, help with their dancing. So that's what we're really hoping for is you know, the opportunity for people to get dressed, you know, get with their pro or their coach or whatever they're doing because we also offer lines so they could be inside themselves. And we don't care where they're dancing. It could be their kitchen, you know, the garage, <laughs> a roller rink. And some people have access to studio. Like I told you earlier today, I was at a studio here in Atlanta helping people film. So they had access to the whole studio, you know, and pipe and drape and everything, um, but it's not necessary. So the, the whole motive is just to get people up and dancing and also give them a chance to get some feedback. And it also is sanctioned. So that means that we have to follow the same rules as every other event. We have to use certified judges. You know, there's all the, all that good sanctioning stuff. And then it's also a qualifier for our world championship. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I think we're all really anxious to get back to in-person events but it's so it's so wonderful given our lack of ability to do that yet right mm -hmm. we have these alternatives right to make the best of of the situation as we can i really applaud that yeah and our dance year is really going to start i think this is april already right so this year <laughs> like it's april right? already yeah, I don't even know what year it is anymore. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm talking to Kelly here when I say, what time is it? And he says April. Right. Yeah, I don't even know what's happening. So Mid-Atlantic is a regional event for the UCWDC. So we have, um, here, I wrote it down here, 40 dance events in um, 25 countries. And then in addition, we have our world championships, which is usually in the United States. They've had it in Canada, in Sweden or somewhere before. But generally, the majority of our dancers are in the United States. But we do have like a lot of people in Europe and Asia who do line dance. Um, and then I think the majority of the dancers in the United States are couples. So either pro-am or amateur, amateur dancers. Um, so we will kick off our dance year in uh, Oklahoma City. They'll be going like having a live in-person. Um, and then like two weeks after that, I have my virtual event will stream. And then Two weeks after that, there's one in Texas. And then a couple weeks after that, there's one in Florida. So those three have confirmed in person and posted all their, you know, their COVID procedures and everything like that. So I'm just hoping that they're, you know, really successful. We've seen ballroom running, right? But again, not as much social interaction. You go in the ballroom, you do your thing, you put your mask on when you're done dancing, you sit down, whatever, and then you leave. And then usually they close the ballroom, they clean everything in between, um, and then they start the next one. So what we'll be doing too for our in-person events. Yeah, yeah, and I have seen a couple of events now scheduled for a few months out, like in, in June, mm -hmm. where they are opening up, but have a must be vaccinated requirement. Mm -hmm. uh, have people feel a little bit more safe and stuff. But yeah, I, I wish those uh, events luck. I am curious, you mentioned the Tulip Classic in, in, in this case, which is an event in, um, the Netherlands, and that mm -hmm. makes sense, right? I'm curious, to what degree has country western taken off, country western dancing taken off in 
these other parts of the world? Is that is that a very recent phenomenon? Oh, uh, no. No. We've been partnered, yeah, with Europe and Asia since the 90s. Uh, they have a huge population of line dancers over there. Um, and there are several other organizations that also do country line dance, um, like World Dance Masters. And there's like a line dance federation. So there are different circuits over there for people to dance as well. Okay. So we like even like, I don't know, places like Japan or Hong Kong, you can actually mm -hmm. find that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So do you... I, yeah, on that on that note, uh, do you notice like a because obviously with any dance, area to area, even city to city, you can see a different flavor, a different style. Do you mm -hmm. notice a little bit of a different style in the different areas of the world as people come together? Like, is that apparent, or is everyone usually fairly consistent? I think people are fairly consistent. Just like I was saying before, like we have a syllabus, and you know, most people just watch, you know, the main like the professional dancers and they just try to emulate that same type of style and the technique is like specific to what we're doing so like when we were talking about two-step people do it differently you know we we have a specific style of two-step that we do that you're judged on so that's what people you know aim to accomplish during their competitive dancing well that's really interesting i want to thank you jennifer for coming and speaking to us it's really been enlightening we will put links in our show notes for your event it's a virtual event so i guess people can register from anywhere in the world is that true they can mm -hmm. awesome we'll supply links to that in the show notes and we'll put some links to the united country western dance council if people are mm -hmm. just interested in general information and maybe where they can find other events that might be local to them throughout the year and so forth David, uh, you're doing such a great job. I have one more question. Like you're wrapping up. <laughs> you are so great. Like I have one more question and I don't want to put you on the spot, Jennifer, but I'm curious is you mentioned polka, right? Like, and <laughs> that was uh, a dance that surprised David. And I know myself, when I go to ballroom events with my pro-am students and stuff, I'll notice like they'll have Peabody or they'll have other dances that aren't typically ballroom dances that are surprising. Mm -hmm. um, again, not to put you on the spot, but do you mind running through really quickly, like the dances you can expect to see at an event? So that way, mm -hmm. maybe somebody now will go because they didn't know the dance that they like is at your event. Mm -hmm. Sure. I mean, that's not putting me on the spot. I should know them, right? <laughs> but listen, as, I, as I, an I, event director, sometimes you're <laughs> dealing with some, so much of the other stuff. Like I totally get it. So yeah. I'm yeah. A first though, that's, that's how I started. So I still compete and I'm like, uh, amateur for life. So um, I don't think I can teach. I can follow and I can't tell you how I did it, but I did it. So, uh, but in the UCWDC, we have eight dances. Um, so we do triple two, polka, nightclub two step. We got a lot of two steps, right? Triple two step, nightclub two step, cha cha, um, waltz, two step, East Coast swing, and West Coast swing. Did I miss one? Polka. I didn't. Care. But see, you can see how easy it is for a country dancer to be a rhythm dancer, right? We already know East Coast Swing, we already know Cha-Cha, and then Rumba is a Cha-Cha without the extra Cha, right? <laughs> and then off you go, you know, put on those horrible heels <laughs> that hurt your feet and you have a rhythm dancer. So I think that has happened a lot too with people who haven't been able to dance country. They're like, well, I'm going to dance something. So I'm going to buy those ugly shoes and I'm going to put them on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. When ballroom dancers see the boots, they're like, you're wearing boots? Mm -hmm. 
down? I don't understand, but they're actually really comfortable and they don't have all those straps and stuff. So my feet don't look like I've been in a fight with something when I take off the boots, you know? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like the shoe is a really good war warfare with all the dancers because Lindy Hoppers are in tennis shoes and, and Keds and they're like, you guys are all crazy, right? And then you got country and boots and you got bought, like, yeah, you got West Coasters in the flats and it's like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. But we, I mean, we do, West Coast is another animal that is so different. If you watch the West Coast circuit, you can get into very lyrical and they, you know, they have divisions where they do lifts and all sorts of fun and crazy stuff. That's amazing. Um, and then you have, you know, you're just regular Jack and Jills and stuff like that. Um, and in country, you know, we feel like our West Coast is closer to that West Coast circuit because we do the anchor step. And in ballroom, they do a coaster step and I'm like, anchor step, that's all I'm, I'm watching. I'm like, stop, you're killing me. Um, but you know, yeah. like a lot of the West Coast swing dancers have roots in country. Uh, Gary McIntyre, Susan Kirkland, who also danced mm -hmm. ballroom, but they're phenomenal West Coast dancers. Um, there are just a ton of people who have started, you know, I think you guys interviewed John uh, Lindo the other day. Yeah, yeah he was started. Talking, he started in country. Mm -hmm. Robert yeah. Royston. I mean, yep. he's a master's level competitor. Lorraine Baldobi, all of them, if you just put them in the YouTube, you know, you'll come up with a video and you'll see Robert, you know, with the mullet and a big old hat on <laughs> and they're dancing country and they were phenomenal, you know, back then. So um, it's just, it's a very, I think wide scope because you do smooth and rhythm and then dances that are specific to country. Um, so I just think it's a, it's a great dance foundation. Cool. All right, David, that's it. I just wanted to ask that one question. So you're all good, buddy. Well, uh, Kelly and I have been talking about sometime post-COVID, doing a road trip. Right? Mm -hmm. And if, we, if we're so lucky to get to Atlanta, we'll have to uh, get together with you and you can take us out to one of the local country bars and we can experience that. Uh, sure. Or we can meet up at an event. It'll be fun. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. it. That would be cool. Well, once again, Jennifer, thank you so much. Um, Thank you. I'm having, I'm having a hard time keeping a straight face with. Uh, I know. We were going to get poker lesson too. So don't do <laughs> <laughs> uh, You'll convert me yet. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right, though. I think it'll probably be the style of music. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's the, the those German polkas that mm -hmm. uh, bless my, my, my parents and my heritage. But yeah. I, yeah, it won't bring back that the childhood trauma of hearing it over and over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll lock myself in my room again. Uh, thank you so much. Don't lock yourself in your room. <laughs> I can see it now. We get to an event. It's like, where's David? Well, he heard Polka walking in and he locked himself in his room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, Jennifer, it's been wonderful talking to you. This is so great. So Best of luck. We'll see you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Talk.Dance. To learn more about us, you can check out our website at www.talk.dance. Please be sure to tell all of your dance friends about us. And if you'd like to help us out, please rate us favorably on Apple Podcasts.